So, hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of Chatter. Today I am here with Zuby of Zuby Music. Man, welcome to the show. Happy to be here, man. How you doing? I'm good. So tell me, why do white women love Zuby? All women love Zuby. <laughs> Any reason why? And white women white women are women. So <laughs> <laughs> So it only goes to follow. No, not not all the women love Zuby. A lot of women do love Zuby. Um I should stop talking about myself in the third person because that's weird. But um, man, I've never been asked this question before, so that's a that's a unique question. I don't want to I don't want to toot my own horn too much, but um, I I think people in general, this goes for men and women, are seeking people who are truth seekers are speaking fellow truth seekers and truth speakers, mm. and for the entirety of my career. I've been a truth seeker and a truth speaker my, my entire life, but I think especially over the course of the past few years, past three or four years, things have gotten so weird, particularly in the modern Western world, that simply being someone who has common sense and has the courage and the ability and the articulation to speak it in a way that is bold and that people understand and it's rational through everything from the political hysteria to the covid hysteria that we lived through to the for the past couple of years to all of these strange sociocultural elements that are going on i think a lot of people appreciate that and so i think from what i do that's certainly drawn millions of people actually to discover who i am and to appreciate what i do to varying degrees um, and then on the lady side, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I work out and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, apparently I'm handsome. I, 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 uh, I can't judge that one for myself, but I'll go with what people say. Well, I mean, I would, I would, I wouldn't argue with it. Like if I, if I were you, I would just sort of accept it. I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. There's worse things. There's far worse things I've been called. Yeah. So you said there, like you. You, yeah, you've you've had millions of people now now know who you are, and mm. it seems to be more because of that, the the fact that you speak the truth or that that people are drawn to your yeah to follow what you're doing yeah more so perhaps than than your music, which is I think primarily what you started off doing yeah. So how do you, how do you feel about that? Like, uh, does it does it bother you? Do, <laughs> do you care? It's a it's a great question, man. Um. I started my music in 2006. I mean, I really, that's when I put out my very first album, Commercial Underground, when I was still in university. And of course, I always thought that the music itself would be the main thing that people would know me for. I've been a full time musician since November 2011. And through for the next eight years, I was just grinding away on, on the music front. And then come early 2019, I had uh, this video go viral, the deadlift video, the infamous one, <laughs> which put me on tons of people's radar. Of course, that, that had nothing to do with my music itself. A lot of people discovered my music through it. But from that flashpoint onwards, a lot of people have just been following me, you know, new thousands of new people discovering me every day now through everything that led on from that because that led to a bunch of interviews and podcast appearances, television appearances, more social media, viral tweets and videos and things like that. So it's just grown over time. I think early 2019, it, um, 
it, it somewhat bothered me that all the attention was coming from something outside of my music, but only for a couple of weeks, perhaps. And then my mindset shifted. And, you know, the reason I got into music is because I wanted to use my voice to make a positive impact on the world and to inspire and motivate as many people as possible through my message. That's always been my goal to use my voice, use my words to make a positive impact on the world. And then I changed the way that I was thinking of it. The metaphor I use is I, I always wanted people to come through the front door, mm. the front door being my music. I wanted people to enter that door and come into the, come into the house of Zuby and you have to come in through the front door. I want you to come in through the front door. And then I was like, you know what? I, what I'm doing here is impacting people. So whether they come in through the, the, the front door, the back door, the side door, <laughs> the rooftop, whatever, right? Whether they discover me through a tweet, an appearance on a podcast, an article, uh, on Instagram, on YouTube, you know what? That's fine. That's cool. As long as you're in the house, we can have the buffet. I might like the chicken in particular, but you know what? We've got chicken, we've got beef, we've got fish, we've got vegetables, like whatever it is that you like, you can take and select whatever aspects of it that, of what I do that appeal most to you. Some people are into my music and my podcast and my fitness content and my sociopolitical commentary and the live events, like multiple things. Some people are like, you know what? I'm mainly into the podcast. Mm. You know what? That's fine. Some people, they're just fans of the music. They're not interested in any of the politics and culture war stuff, all of that. That's absolutely fine. Some people, you know, I'm not really a rap fan, but man, I love the way I love watching your interviews. I like seeing you on you know, Joe Rogan or chatting with Ben Shapiro or Tucker Carlson, whatever. And I'm like, you know what? That's awesome. And what's also awesome about it is it's actually allowed me to meet, to reach a far wider demographic than I ever would have been able to with just my music. So when I was purely just a rapper, my audience was really between the ages of 15 and 30. And that was, that was it really, you know, maybe even 14 to 25 primarily. And now, I mean, whether I'm in the U S or I'm in the UK, I mean, I've literally got fans in their sixties and their seventies from literally children up until, up until elderly people I've been stopped for to take, to take selfies or sign autographs. I get people telling me that they discovered me through their mom. I've met mums telling me they discovered me through their children. <laughs> no way. So it's happening in all sorts of different ways. Maybe their mom is sitting there watching Fox news and I, and I yeah, show or GB news yeah. and I pop up and then they, they, they're, they're telling their friends, Oh, you got, you've got to check out, check out this young man or, you know, their, their son or daughter might listen to my music or find me on social media or something and tell their parents, yo, like, check out what this guy is saying. So, um, it's, it's been really strange how it's all happened, but I'm, I'm very grateful. And I love the trajectory I'm on right now. And I'm, it's honestly an honor to be able to reach and have some kind of positive influence on, on so many people. And just to see that keep on growing, to go to places and cities I've never been to before in my life and just be received with so much love and just be embraced. It, it's, it's a bit of a trip. Um, I've spent a lot of time in the States over the past, over the past year, uh, I've probably spent about four or five months in total in the USA. And I've had multiple instances now, many, many times just going to a place where, you know, I'm very far from home, right? I mean, I'm, I, I'm, I'm an independent rapper from primarily from the, the South coast of England, mm. you know, Bournemouth, Southampton way. And, you know, I was in Miami two months ago and I literally got stopped 
If I were to estimate, I was there for about four days, I'd say I got stopped about four to 500 times. Whoa. Right? And- That's a lot, man. It's a lot, but again, by people of all sorts of people. I'm like, well, I'm looking at someone's friend, I'm like, how do you even know? I'm looking at someone in Canada, like, look at this person. I'm talking to some 68 year old man and he's there telling me how he's been following me for years and <laughs> he loves what I'm seeing. And he's, he listened to both of my times on Joe Rogan and he saw me on this and saw me on that. And he bought one of my t-shirts and I'm just like, wow like this is nuts like what this is this is amazing you know so i i'm very grateful for that so i can't wait to see where it all goes in the future yeah it's got to be exciting so yeah you're 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 moving to america more permanently now then so what what prompted that mm. like why america because i i i got an offer last year um to possibly move out to texas to work for for a company of a, a friend of mine who's um actually editing my my next book okay and I thought about it and I was like, is that going to be better? Is that going to just be even more insane? Cause like, I mm -hmm. look at the political climate here and I look uh, you know, the discourse is like insane and we'll mm -hmm. get to the, the madness of that, but why, what, what, what draws you about America over mm -hmm. staying in, in the United Kingdom? Sure. A bunch of things. Number one, it's my biggest audience by far. Um, my music, my books, my merchandise speaking engagements, podcast listeners, everything is at least 70% of my income already comes from the USA. Wow. Yeah. And my biggest audience is is over there. I mean, some of that is a matter of scale. I mean, you, you, the US has what? Five, six five times, to six almost, times yeah. the population of the UK. So that's it's the biggest English speaking country in the world. And it's one of the richest countries in the world. So there's just so much opportunity there. Another one is just opportunity in general. The the USA just there's if you are an entrepreneur or a go-getter or a hustler, someone who really wants to put in work, there's the UK does not compare. I love the UK, but in terms of opportunity, the USA blows it out the water. Um there's just no matter what you do, the the thing with the US is it's it's a country of real absolute diversity and there are so many extremes like i feel like the uk operates within a, a window like this and the usa operates within just this giant so that's why i mean you were talking about you mentioned the the, the socio-cultural political climate i mean in the usa the political spectrum is like wider so the people who are conservative are you, you've got conservatives who are like more conservative and more right wing than what you get in the UK. And then you get the, the lefties who are like more crazy. Like they're, they're, the the, the self-confessed Maoists. Yeah. Like, like they're, they're even further left and it leads to all these clashes and chaos as you're saying, but you also have, there's so much passion and energy and the USA, if you think about it, is really like a teenager in terms of countries, right? The, the, the UK, I mean, my college at university is about 700 years older than the USA itself, <laughs> right? Like you, you, we're in London right now. There are, there are build m most, most of the buildings, yeah. <laughs> most of the buildings yeah. in the city, many of them at least yeah. are older than the USA. It's such a young country. It hasn't even been around 250 years. UK has been, goes back, goes, goes back forever. Right. They say in the U S um, especially in Texas, they say that, uh, in the U S 300, 300 years is a long time. And in the UK, 300, 
300 miles is a long distance. Yeah. Right. And it's, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 yeah, it, it's, it's very true, right? Just Texas is bigger than the UK. Yeah. And that's one state. And it's not even the biggest state. Mm. So it, it's just, a, it's a matter of scale. Um, and there's just so much love there. I've been really embraced there. So I've got to go over and capitalize on some of those opportunities. I think with me, there's a lot of familiarity with it as well. Cause of course I grew up in Saudi Arabia and, um, I went to, I was actually in the American school system up until I was 11 years old. So growing up, I was exposed to a lot of Americans. Anyone who hears my voice actually normally thinks that I'm American because of where I grew up. And so I've always had a, I've always had a soft spot for the USA. I have a lot of criticisms of it as well. There's <laughs> many things there that, you know, as someone who spent a lot of time in both countries now, there, there are certainly things I prefer about the UK and there's certainly things I prefer about the US. And I guess this goes for every country that I've been to, right? No, nowhere is perfect. Everywhere it has its pros and its cons. Some things work in your favor. Some things don't. It also just depends on who you are, right? I think there are people, there are certainly people who like, the the UK is just a better country for them overall, right? And they could even be Americans, right? There's people in the USA who would probably just be happier in the UK, but there's also people in the UK who would actually just be happier and better off in the US because it just offers more of, you know, it depends on your personality type, what you're trying to achieve, what sector or industry you're in, and so on. And even things like what type of weather do you like, right? If you're someone who really wants to be in a, a hotter, warmer climate, like there's, there's no equivalent to Miami or Los Angeles or uh, Austin in in the UK. So if you, if, I feel like I've moved to a different climate. In my, <laughs> like I've just moved here from Belfast, and it's, yeah. I'm already. It's like it's too hot. It's like, too hot. I, I can't deal with it. Yeah. So like I like the heat. I grew up in Saudi Arabia. So in the UK, even here, uh, like when the weather's good, it's good. But I'm like, man, this weather. It's I, I can can go six months, and the weather's just like crushing me. So um. Yeah, so I, I plan to be between both countries, both countries a lot. Um, I'm not, I know some people are, fear that I'm kind of like abandoning the UK or something like that. It's like, no, it's it's not like that. I've got, I've got family no, here. you're hedging so. your bets. You I'm just one foot in each and kids Man, collapses. <laughs> I don't even view it that way, man. I mean, I really, I, I've grown up, I've grown up around the world, man. Uh, my family's not for, you know, originally from Nigeria. I was raised in the Middle East. I was born in England, spent, I mean best part of the last two decades here. I went to an American school for a while. It's my biggest audience over there. Beyond that, I've traveled to another 35 or so different countries. So it's a bit of a cliched phrase, but you know, I, I do feel like I'm this sort of citizen of the world type of person. And to me, the world is, despite its size, modern technology makes the world actually very small. So despite the fact that things might be a thousand miles away, both from a time perspective and from a technology perspective, actually it's pretty close. So as far as I'm concerned, Austin, Texas is as far away from London as, you know, it takes the same time to fly from London to Austin or Dallas as it takes to drive from Bournemouth to Glasgow. Right. Mm. And I've driven from Bournemouth to Glasgow many times. So it's like, well, it's eight hours is eight hours, right? It's like, well, it's eight hours. So yeah, it might be, this one might be distance wise is, is thousands of miles away. And that one's only a couple hundred, but it's eight hours. I mean, eight hours isn't that long. If you, if you took off right now 
and it's what it's as we record this it's about 2 p.m if you flew right now to houston or dallas or austin you would land um at about 4 p.m like with the time difference yeah right so you you've you've lost two hours essentially so it's like mm. right? so, 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 yeah so so the, the way it is is people are like, man zuby you're traveling so much and doing this like how are you doing and i'm like ah, it's number one i've been doing it my whole life and number two it's just it's just time to me like it's just passing time you can watch a couple movies read a book play some nintendo switch you know yeah. go to sleep do whatever and and you're there mm. totally so i mean to to sort of go towards the the madness a little bit here sure. I, I really there's a few things i really want to get your your take on oh, boy. Just the, the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, again i'm hoping that these are questions that you'll never have been asked okay that, that, that was my that was my goal and that's always I tr i've been trying to do that more and like try and find things that you've never been asked so I mean, you can have the choice. Do you want to ease into it or do you want me to I don't mind, man. I don't mind, man. I'm good. <laughs> right. Well, then let's let's go for the crazy. Okay. Okay. Is Klaus Schwab LARPing as Emperor Palpatine? <laughs> <laughs> man, we've got some megalomaniacs in this world. We, we really do. I, th I think we always have. And it's kind of just been exposed over the past couple of years because there's been this power play, right? Just the emergency measures, multiple countries, all of a sudden, oh, there's an emergency. Mm. So therefore, screw your human screw your human rights, screw your civil liberties, screw democracy, screw everything that we have been preaching about for the past ten de few decades, and uh, do exactly what we tell you. And in fact, lots of these random unelected people are going to have a lot of power over you. I mean, I, I don't know who voted for Klaus Schwab and Bill Gates and. Anthony Fauci and all, all, all these people in various different countries, right? Like there, there's, there's the ones who extend their tentacles into multiple countries. And then each individual country also has had its sort of tyrants and dictators who were appointed rather than people saying, okay, this is the person who we, we trust to lead us through this thing. So, um, yeah, he's, he's a weird guy. Like, I don't, I don't really, I guess he's been around for a while but i don't think many people knew the name Klaus schwab yeah, until well, and yeah until the until the past few years so he he's seeming like this type of bond villain who has this plan for the world yeah. <laughs> like, and that's it's just insane, man. But that's, that's actually right that's that's what it feels like it's like it's like a real life bond villain it's yeah. like um like elliot carver in uh, the world is not enough like that's what it feels like yeah or not even the world is not enough tomorrow never dies okay yeah mm. I'll get my bond, bond yeah bond. yeah so uh, man it's 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 odd it's it's very odd how um i it's interesting to me on a kind of psychological perspective though how i mean i guess this is not a new thing we we have in the past had many uh individuals dictators people who just are 100 percent confident they know what is best for everybody in the world and they not not just that they know what's best, but they also should have the the power to implement it, right? Oh, I have this idea. It's it's called the Great Reset. This is what everybody should do and must do, and this is what the future is going to look like. I'm old, and I'm not even going to be here for the future. Yeah. But nonetheless, yeah. this Here's this the is plan. yeah this is this this is the plan. And uh, you know, like it or not, what is it? You will uh, you know you will own nothing, and you will be happy. <laughs> and uh, it. It's it's an interesting phenomenon to me that anyone can have that kind of 
audacity. I mean, I, I'm a pretty confident person, and um, uh, but I, I certainly have uh, the the humility to understand that uh, that I'm not a number number one that I, I do not know what the absolute best thing is, with no doubt for everybody on the planet. Let alone that I should have the the, the power and the uh, <laughs> the ability to 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 control everybody on the planet, their thoughts, their beliefs, their, their actions, what they should, uh, what they should eat, <laughs> what they must inject, yeah. where they must live, <laughs> what they should own and not own and so on. Like that's pretty mind blowing to me. Mm. So what if, what if they're trying to bring us back to the original philosophy of the cynics mm. that, that, you know, you didn't need, like, what does a man need more than the, the coat on his back and, um, you know, the the freedom of the world to go and just live like maybe they're trying to take us back to that maybe they well, feel like that we've been burdened <laughs> by too many possessions and materialism and you know we should stop concerning ourselves mm. with all of these things because it's better if they have them and they're yeah, just yeah. Trying to, they're just trying to like you know free us all from that yeah i mean if they themselves were these, these ultra minimalists <laughs> then maybe i'd be able to believe that it was you know, if, if it was like you know they're giving up all of their own wealth and possessions and material goods and whatever and then they're encouraging everyone else to do the same then maybe i'd be like hmm, okay no maybe not for everyone but i can i can see where they're where they're coming from but uh no they're they're raking in their billions and their trillions and they want you eating bugs while they continue to eat filet mignon and uh, they want you to live in a pod as they live in their mansion <laughs> and they want you to uh sacrifice everything for uh the so-called climate catastrophe as they continue to buy beach beachfront property. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess they, they, I guess the argument would be maybe they'll sell it, but like, you know, Look, it's not going to be worth if, very much if, at that point. Exactly. If, if you're, if you're that convinced that the, the world is going to, you know, you've got 10 years or whatever they say it is to avoid this, mitigate this climate catastrophe and that, all of these cities are going to be underwater and so on and so forth, which by the way, they've been saying since before either of us were even born and they've been wrong all the time. Then let me, you know, I generally action speak louder than words is a, is a, is a well-known phrase, but that's something that's, it's really true. I mean, if you want to see what someone believes, then don't just listen to them, watch their actions. So if you're saying you care about all this, but then you're buying a very expensive beachfront property and you're flying around in private jets and you're doing this and you're doing that, then it's reasonable for people to be cynical and to question, to question your motives. Right? So one thing about me is, is whether or not I, uh, totally support somebody's beliefs, ideas, or ideology or whatever. I, I'm typically, uh, I typically respect consistency. Right. I respect, I respect consistency. So if those are your, your values and your principles, and that's what you, what you go on, then I'm like, cool. Like if you're, if you're consistent with that and that's, that's how you live, I, whether or not I am fully in agreement or have the exact same beliefs, I can, I can respect it. What I don't respect is just this insane level of hypocrisy where you're preaching one thing and then you are literally doing the, the complete opposite. It, do it doesn't matter in what sector it is. This could be personal. It could be political. It could be religious. It could be ideological, what, whatever it is. Right. I mean, if you are, if you are out and about preaching about the importance of eating a plant-based diet 
and going vegan and uh not and behind the scenes you're eating steaks and chicken and what then i'm i don't i can't respect that right <laughs> if you're preaching all that and then you you live the lifestyle i might be like you know what like you know veganism isn't isn't for me you know it's not my it's not my it's not my choice um and i have various arguments against but i'm like i i, I can respect that it's like cool like you that's what you believe and that's what you're doing you know you say you this is your this is your religion or this is your belief system or whatever and you you live or at least attempt to live in line with that then i can respect it it doesn't mean everyone has to or is going to follow the exact thing i mean we of, of course not right this almost how many people do we have now almost 8 billion people in the world um yeah you know there's going to be a lot of diversity there which is cool um but but i can respect that and i think that's been one of the most frustrating things actually about the past two years and years in particular and i know you've noticed this as well is just the it's the hypocrisy right you've had it doesn't matter whether you're talking about the us or the uk or all these countries you've had leaders so-called leaders who have been telling people you must do this whether it's wear a mask or stay at home or don't travel or do this or stand this far apart from each other whatever and we've all seen over the past two years them whether it's having parties or, or going to restaurants or going around and not wearing their masks or do, break, breaking all of their own rules and that's what makes it doubly frustrating it's annoying enough that you're making all these infringements on people's liberties and freedom but you're not even you're not even following the the rules that you're you're putting on everyone else and um to the props of of british society i think people here once they once they really saw that i think there was a big enough backlash to really put an end to to put an end to it mm. um thankfully yeah thankfully i i, don't, I it's a shame it took <laughs> i don't think it should have taken boris johnson being caught having parties as he canceled christmas for millions of british people for the public to to wake up and go wait something here is wrong but i'm glad that when that happened they held him accountable and put enough pressure on him that he either had to i get he probably was pushed in a position where he felt either had to resign or drop these mandates and restrictions because people were not people were not happy with it mm. there's other places where it happened and people kind of like excused it or it just kind of got blown away very quickly but um i th i think in this for for so-called democracy to work in any extent you have to be able to hold people accountable um i think it, it's often forgotten that public you know the, these 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 public workers you know politicians like yeah. we, they're paid for with 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 your tax money mm -hmm. right they are they're supposed to work for you they are our employees, right? It's not supposed to be the other way around. No. I think this is often forgotten with politicians. It's often forgotten with the police. It's often forgotten, like these, you are supposed to be a public servant, right? It's not supposed to be that you are just above, above everyone and above the law and, you know, rules for, rules for thee, but not for me kind of situation. That, that's not what it's supposed to be like. And I think that often gets forgotten by the people in those positions, but also by the general public. People forget that you're not, we're not meant to just be subjects in a dictatorship. Like you were, if, if you elect officials based off of what they're claiming and certain promises that they make, then, then hold them, hold them accountable to it. If they say, look, we're going to do X, Y, and Z, or we're going to achieve this or we're not, 
when that time comes, you should look at it and say, okay, did you, did you do what you said you were going to do? And if you didn't, there should be some, some, some tough questions. There should be pressure put on them. And you see this around, I see this a lot in the USA, especially with some of the, the governors and the mayors and things like that, where they make all of these promises and this and that, and they, they, they literally get away with murder because they're not held accountable. They're not held accountable. Like people will vote for them and they'll say, we're going to do this and this, and I have all these promises. And I'm like, you have to follow up. You, you, you have to follow up with them, right? If, if you've been voting for, I mean, like you, you've got places in the US, most of the big cities are, you know, they're virtually all the cities, big cities in the US are run by the same political party, right? They're all run by the Democrats. Um, I don't like to get into super partisan stuff, but just making this point, some of them for decades, multiple decades. And in many cases, in they, they've they've declined. They've they've gotten worse in terms of in terms of crime, in terms of homelessness, in terms of you know as as the taxes continue to go up and so on. Mm -hmm. And people aren't holding them accountable and saying, "Hey, look, you said you've been saying you were going to make Los Angeles better, or you were going to fix this in San Francisco, or you're going to do this, and you're not you're not you're you're not doing it." But instead, what happens is people just keep voting for them again and again. And it's like, well, even from that politician's perspective, what is the incentive for them mm. to do anything? It's like, well, if you're going to vote for me anyway, and I can just get away with all this and I can keep <laughs> st stealing your money and not making anything better and living this big life. Yeah. And I know you're also not even going to vote for my opponents. Then there's no incentive. There's no incentive anymore. Yeah, and just to, to like for an example on the other side, like the, mm -hmm. the Republicans consistently preach fiscal conservatism, yes, and do nothing of the sort. No, <laughs> so it's yeah, it's not just the Democrats. No, it's not. It's not just one party. Um, I'm using that because I think it's the it's the biggest example. Yeah. Um, and because of the way voting patterns happen in the states, it's the all all the big cities, pretty much all the big cities that are like well known in the USA, mm. um, are run by Democrats. So Republicans generally get more votes in, in the suburbs and the, the rural areas and so on. But I think when we're talking about most places in the world, people tend to focus tends to be on, on cities because those are the ones that it's the New York's and the Los Angeles's and the Chicago's and so on that kind of move the needle. Just like in the UK, you've got tons of cities and towns in the UK, but let's be real, London is London is London. Yeah. London is kind of the epicenter that drives things, yeah. and so then every, the population. Yeah, and then yeah, and then everywhere else is kind of is, is is more is more secondary or or tertiary. So it it matters. Like I don't I don't even know. I mean, everyone knows who the London mayor is. I mean, do people even know the mayor of Birmingham or Manchester or Leeds or Bristol? Like, I don't think a lot of people don't. I think a lot of people even in this, those cities yeah. might not actually know who who, I don't who, know who the mayor of Birmingham is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that said, I don't even know who the mayor of Belfast is, although they yeah. have their very it's like more of a symbolic role, so they don't mm. have that much power. But mm. to go back here to the the hypocrisy because like that is consistently stunning to me. What age are you? 35. 35, right. So you're a bit older than me. Not that much older. 7 years. Mm. Was it always this nuts? Were people always just this blatantly hypocritical? Because I was talking about this with my best friend the other day, and he was just like, "No, no, there were always hypocrites, Josh. You just didn't see it." Mm -hmm. And I was just like, "Well, maybe that's true." So, like, what you've been sort of watching this a bit longer than I have, and mm -hmm. maybe you were sort of watching politics because it feels like since about 2010, 2012-ish, things have really like gone off the rocker a bit. Yes. So, like, you were watching things a bit before that because I was just I was like eighteen, two thousand twelve. Mm -hmm. I was just coming out of school. 
So it's hard for me to, to really like get a, a genuine perspective on it. Mm-hmm. So, was it always this mad? Were the people always this like? Because the the example that springs mm-hmm. to mind right now is the 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 abortion debate that went on in America recently with the that leaked Roe v. Wade thing, mm-hmm. and then obviously like the I'll not go into like what's going on with that or like yeah we'll not get into abortion, but like the they were preaching it's like it's my body my choice like no one should have the the you know the decision oh, after the, the past two years yeah or after the past two mm-hmm. years like kamala harris mm-hmm. like tweeting about like mm-hmm. we're approaching this moment where mm-hmm. where um the government might have control over your body and i was yeah. like you have to be trolling yeah like you can't be this hypocritical d- d- dude what about are they these people who have been talking about that uh you know a systemically racist policy is something that disproportionately affects black people and minorities and whatever and then the whole vaccine passport situation yeah right in places like in new york city majority of the majority of black Amer- young black americans in new york city were not vaccinated and they literally made a policy that would ban the majority of young black people in new, not just New York City, they did it in San Francisco, they did it in LA, all these pro, so-called, again, so-called mm-hmm. progressive places, they literally implemented this policy that, that's number one, directly discriminatory, like an actual segregationist yeah. policy, yeah. right? Um, and yes, you can claim, so they, they claim it's under the banner of health and safety or whatever, but again, these, like you, the same point, it's the same point you're making, mm. it's just showing doubly so, so number one, you've got this whole my body my choice thing government don't tell me what to do with my body which and i'm on board then with you've you know? literally got people forcing trying to force injections into people um and that's what you're advocating for and now you want to conveniently turn around and i i mean i, I made this point way prior to this whole roe Ro versus wade thing because it's you know i'm a, i'm a pro-life person i'm very much opposed to abortion um, but I was like, again, it's the point I was making earlier. If you're going to claim a certain position and that's even your slogan and mantra is my body, my choice, right? Wear a button the, yeah, right? <laughs> if that is your slogan, then at least I may disagree with you on this, on, on this issue, but at least be consistent, like at least be consistent with it. Right. And that went out the window. And again, you know, the same with the desegregation. So to, to come back to and answer your original question, it's, it hasn't always been like that. It hasn't always been like this. Um, and what changed? I think it's a, okay, this is a great question. It's a really good question. Cause it's something I think about a lot. It's a number of factors. I think, um, a lot of people point to social media. Social media is a factor. It's a factor because you know, when was the first, the, the combination of social media and smartphones, which really came together around 2006, 2006, 2007, and really maybe about by about 2010, 2011, we reached a point where maybe most people had a smartphone and were on some type of social media. Mm-hmm. So I think that perfectly coincides with that period because most people would say it's about 10 years ago when it really started to accelerate. That's... um that's a factor. I think that's an accelerant. I think the much bigger factor, and I've, I, I haven't, I don't hear a lot of people making this point or talking about it. I think the bigger factor is for the first time in history and the first place anywhere, we have actually reached a point 
where there is proper equality under the law. If you think back, and the final domino that anyone could have argued was same-sex marriage. When was that? When was that? 2012, I It's around the here. same time. Yeah. Right? When did all the trans stuff kick off? It's the same time. Right? That was the final domino. After that, all of the important fights had been fought and won. For the first time ever, like in human history. If you go back to any time period prior to 2012, you could point to a law in the books and say, hmm, that discriminates against that group of people. From the blatant ones, from, you know, having slavery and some people not even being considered citizens to some people being denied voting rights, some people, you know, being allowed to pay one group less for the same work than others, um, having all, there, there, there's all types of discrimination and there's still many discriminatory laws on the books in different countries around the world. But in the UK, in the US, in Canada, and so on, the final thing that someone could have pointed at, and this is not an argument for nor against same-sex marriage, but that was the last one that someone could say, hmm, that law discriminates against a group of people, right? And that was it. And I think now there's this situation where you have people, I mean, the entire left side of the political aisle, really, for all of these decades and centuries, the, the fight was for equality, right? It was for, for equal rights. Like that was a big part. You can, of course there's, there's the, you know, the financial and, and social factor, but, but the big thing was always like, look, the proper role of, of liberals, as far as I'm concerned is to, is, is to, to be champions of civil rights and equality, equal treatment under the laws, like in, in individual rights, right? Treat people as individuals don't discriminate against people based on their their race or their ethnicity or their 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 sex or their sexuality and so on and so forth and all these times as i said there was always a group you could point at and say look like that's not that's not fair we want to advocate for this think back to all the civil rights movements they had it was always it had a clear goal right we want to get voting rights for this group of people we want voting rights for women we want voting rights for black people we want this group to be able to buy property we want this discrimination to stop it shouldn't be fair to, it shouldn't be legal to do this do that it's all been one and that's when i noticed that the left side of the aisle went off the hinges because you have all these activist minded people who want to fight for something right? They want, they want to fight for something. There's got to be some victim group. Someone's got to be being oppressed somewhere. And I think this is also why it latched, they've, they've latched on so incredibly and doggedly hard to the transgender thing because it wasn't, it wasn't even in the conversation before 2012, right? It, it wasn't in the con, even if yeah. the, even the word transgender wasn't really in the lexicon, transsexual was yeah. transvestite was, but this whole transgender thing. And even now when people say, you know, where well, I'm fighting for trans rights, like, what do you, what does that mean? They already have them. Everyone already has equal rights. So I think that's, I think that's a part of it, um, from, especially from the left side of the aisle and naturally the right side of the aisle, it tends to react to what's happening for what's being pushed from the other side. So I think that's created, it's created that conflict. And then, like I said, it's been fueled by social media and then also the, what people have or what people feel they have in common has has decreased. I don't think necessarily, I think some of it is real and some of it is artificial. Um, but I think that due to the media and due to the political rhetoric, the focus is always on the differences. 
if you think of it, right? Yeah. The, the political and social clashes, it's, it's never what do we have in common. People are being trained to focus on the difference, right? When we were growing up, and, and again, you see this in different ways. When we were growing up, I imagine we both learned, like if, if it was even... I don't, I don't even think it needed to be explicitly taught, yeah, but I don't know. I but, don't remember ever being like like it, ab, like outright stated, even <coughs> in Northern Ireland, where mm -hmm. we have like still the remnants of, yes. of more of a conflict than you maybe have in in other parts of the UK. But it was I don't think it was ever like outright stated mm -mm. that like it's like it was just like everyone's everyone's this, everyone's equal. It's yeah. like yeah, yeah, obviously, yeah. Like, you know, yeah, it's exactly. the first generation in history where where that was the case and everyone was just like on board with it. Exactly. <laughs> and and I think this is why people like yourself and myself, we have this recoil against this neo-racism agenda, right? Where this whole, this weird woke thing, right? Where you have people who call themselves, you know, they use the banner anti-racist, but mm. they would, they, they would like for me to see you explicitly as a, a white man. Mm. They want you to see me explicitly as a black man, a person of color. And so, and now we need to somehow adjust our behavior and the way we talk to each other to account for this factor, right? You literally have these people saying that being colorblind is racist, right? Like, right? That you should see color. You should, you should treat people but differently. The, do you know the thing about that is that doesn't tell me shit about you. Of course it doesn't. And it never did. This, so this is why racism itself was always stupid. Well, yeah. Right? It's why it was always <laughs> stupid. Other reasons, yeah. Yeah. yeah but, but, but like the notion that someone's skin color or ethnicity or where their ancestors are from or whatever that, that tells you what's in their brain and what's on their heart and their character and all this always a silly it was always always a ridiculous idea and obviously in the past it had gotten taken to ridiculous and brutal levels but it, it's such a silly notion but it's like they're bringing back that notion that oh actually yeah it is it is really important right not no 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 for, for, forget about their character and their individuality like no what matters is that that man is white and that person is is not white right and so you now need to and then you have to factor in their sexuality and then you have to factor in their uh their class and then you have to factor in their their age and their gender and all of this and it's just like how about we just treat people as individuals and treat people fairly and we all agree that Everyone has a right to dignity and to not be unfairly discriminated against or physically harmed or um, attacked or enslaved or whatever. How about we just treat each other as human beings, as brothers and sisters, and we're not all going to get on all the time and agree with everything. But even if you don't like someone, you don't just have a right to attack them or assault them, right? Like we we agree. And, and what what's funny with it as well is, Everyone, everyone actually believes this the most part, right? Like if, if you just go outside and you interact in the real world, yeah. right? You see actually anyone like outside, no, no, right? that room, I don't think anyone would no, disagree. That, that, that's what I mean. Like everyone actually does get on, but then in the, you know, what they're pushing in the schools and in the universities and all these different areas. And I, that's another part of it as, as to why I think it's sprung up over the past 10 years is because this is what was being pushed back then. And now those people are graduating and going into the real world and even going into positions of power. And so this ideology has gone from just the dark corners of academia and the social sciences into corporations and into governments and everything like that. And now you have woke capitalism yeah. and everyone suddenly inclusion, diversity, equity, uh, you know, everyone's got a diversity officer and people of color this and BIPOC that and white people bad that and whatever. And it's, 
I have to look what bipolar. I had to look that up the other day. <laughs> yes. I saw it in this like um, like so there was something I saw. And I had to look up. What the, I was like, what the fuck is bipolar? What is it? Yeah. Like and then yeah, it's like I can't even remember what it black was. indigenous people of color. Yes. And then in the it. UK they have BAME, BAME, Bame yes. black and minority ethnic. Mm. And it's like, how about just people? Um, so so yeah, uh, this has been a been a been a long answer, but I think that oh, those God. are a lot of the reasons why. I think also, and this is a big factor. I do think also that as a consequence of our societies becoming so successful and prosperous and peaceful, um, there there's an element of of boredom and free floating anxiety, and just. You know, I think people are also, just by being so connected, are also becoming a bit more isolated. People are spending more time indoors and not exercising and eating as much. Like, and then you exacerbate that over the past two years with all the lockdowns and the the, the forced social isolation and so on, and the masking, all of that stuff. Um, yeah, it's not good for the human psyche. Actually, it um, it's good. It's good to have comfort, and it's good that we've achieved a point where you know, obesity is a far bigger problem than starvation. Yeah. Uh, again. That's pretty new, which is why, right? right? Wow. That, that's very new, right? Yeah. That's a, that's a new thing. So we have abundance, but abundance brings lack creates problems Overabundance also creates problems. Um, and when people have so much, it also, I think, I think it also reduces people's, uh, increases sensitivity and reduces tolerance of any type of potential offense or affront. I think this is why we live in this very emotional, emotionally incontin incontinent age where, you know, people are mostly right? like everything's fucking great phrase, man. <laughs> like, 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 like people can't control like, their the episode that to yeah. be on emotional incontinence. <laughs> yeah, but, it, but it's true, right? You see them, whether you, but before the COVID, you maybe you were hearing about safe spaces and trigger warnings and words being violence and everyone, this is my, no, that made me feel, uh, what's the phrase they always use? Triggered. Uh, no, triggered, no. but, um, uh, they always use what's the word they always use they want harm like you know uh the word sp harmful speech or may oh makes me making me feel unsafe mm. right you know oh you know i can't talk to him he makes me feel unsafe or whatever that trick it's it's very um pathological language this is the language you'd use if you're a therapist who's talking to someone who's come back from a war and they've mm. seen their friends get you know people talking about having ptsd and having anxiety and trauma and all of these things it's, it's this therapy language and you've also seen there's various signs showing that people's mental health is is a lot of people it's, it's it's declining especially with young people and as far as i'm concerned that's um that's largely a, a it's actually a, a problem of, of of abundance in many ways it's like you have to you know, as, as human beings, it's kind of getting philosophical. I mean, you don't pick whether or not you struggle. Like we all struggle, everyone. Like it doesn't matter if you're so-called privileged or underprivileged or your nationality, race, gender, all, all this stuff doesn't matter. Everyone has their struggles. It might not, it, oftentimes it's not visible, right? Mm -hmm. You can see someone who on the surface, it looks like, man, like I want that guy's life. Like they've got, they've got all this money and they're famous and they've done this and they've done that. And then ooh, that person, committed suicide or like they, you know they do you don't know what demons people are battling everyone's got all these different challenges and in a way some challenges are kind of just handed to you 
and you don't, you can't do anything. Well, you, you can do something about it, but you, you just kind of have to play those cards. Um, but also you have to, there's an element of humanity that, that seeks challenge and conflict. And I think you can do that in, in healthy ways. Mm. And you can also do it in really unhealthy ways. I think you, you, you always do it. Everyone does it. Everyone does it. So for me, um, you know, I go, I go to the gym, right? That's cre that's me creating my own hardship. I don't have to go and lift all those weights and go on the treadmill and do this and that. It's, then you wouldn't be Jackson. Either. Yeah. But it, it's, 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 I'm, I'm voluntarily choosing to create hardship in my life. I've just, I've started uh, recently relearning Spanish to get back up to fluency on it. And I don't have to do that. I'm, I'm doing, I'm intentionally making my life harder and I'm challenging and stimulating my brain on a daily basis. I'm pushing my body to get stronger. I'm doing a lot of these things, even my career path. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I, I'm at a position now, thank God, where, I mean, I could, I could not work for the next 20 years and I'd be all right. Right. Um, I couldn't have said that a few years ago, but like, you know, I've, I've, I'm doing pretty well now. And I'm like, gosh, like, no, I mean, that would be terrible. Right? I'd, I'd go insane, right? Like I I'd go nuts. It's like, no, like, I, I want to have this challenge or I, I have to seek that out. But if you don't do that in a healthy way, I think it manifests in, in bad ways. This is what I think this is what a lot of the nastiness you see on Twitter and on social media and people popping off at each other all the time and anger and people wanting to go fight and burn down the streets and put up signs and whatever. I think it's like, there's this energy and desire for struggle that needs to come out somehow and it's kind of spitting out in all these random directions which are often hurting other people rather than focusing on yourself and going okay let me take on a challenge let me learn something new let me do something hard let me write a book let me start a podcast let me let me run a marathon let me like lose some weight let me let me do something because it has to be expelled in some way um and i think a lot of people are not doing that. People are very sedentary. A lot of people are not exercising at all. They're not really building on themselves. And I think if you are not building, here's another interesting philosophical idea. I believe that men are always building or destroying. Mm. I think that as a man and as a boy, even, I mean, you can see this. If you, if you watch, watch boys, they're always building or destroying, right? Right. <laughs> they're 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 creating. You know, you could look at four year, three year old boys playing. They're they're either building a tower or blocks, or they're kicking it down. They're making a sandcastle, or they're knocking it down, or they're knocking down someone else's. Right? They're doing. They're they're playing football, or they're fighting each other. They're and and it's been the case throughout history. If you think the, our whole society, um, this is going to sound sexist, but it's not because it's just a fact. Virtually everything physical that exists was built by men. Right. Everything you can physically see, everything in this room was created by men, right? All the buildings around the city, everything was built by men, men build in a primary sense. Yeah. Yeah. Men build like literally physically build, construct things. We also freaking destroy a lot, mm. right? So look at all the wars that have taken place. Look at the wars taking place right now. Whatever. Who's doing the fighting? Who's doing the killing? Who's broke bombing and blowing up the building? It's men, men build, destroy, build, destroy, build, destroy, like in a very physical sense. Yeah. Um, I think women build and destroy as well, but it's not in as literal and material a way. Um, and you know, some of this is just, we've got that testosterone, right? We just have 20, 20 times the testosterone level as the average woman. And, and that can be, that energy can be used for really, really positive and constructive things. But I think when it's not channeled well, 
manifests in very destructive ways, right? Who do, who does all the murders? Who does all the mass shootings? It's it's men. Yeah. Primarily young men. Um, all the war. I reminds me of a great <laughs> clip from, um, it was Jordan Klepper who was on the Daily, he was a correspondent sort of guy for the Daily Show. Mm. And he went, he was at like a, a Trump rally or something. And and he said, someone, someone was like, yeah, well, we can't have Hillary as, as president because, you know, she'll start a war. And he just went, haven't all the wars in history been started by men? <laughs> the person was just like, uh, we're stumped. It's a great point, it, but it's, it, it, it's it, true. It, yeah, it speaks to it, what you're saying. Yeah, it's it's reality, man. And I think this is also why, you know, when people get in these conversations about gender equality and sex, if it's like, if you look at the top, if you look at the apex of most fields and sectors, you will find predominantly men there. Also, if you look at the bottom, you will find primarily men there, right? And there's something called the apex fallacy, which is that people tend to focus on the top, but not at the bottom. So you always will hear about how the majority of CEOs and highest paid people and, you know, ex people on the executive board at different countries or whatever, it's predominantly men. And, you know, they'll often frame it in this way. How often do they talk about the fact that most homeless people are men or most people who die of drug overdoses are men or most people who commit suicide are men and all of that. So it's like men are just more, there's, there's more of that extreme. Right. There's, there's just more of that extremes. Uh, who do you think it's that, that, that sort of testosterone driven creation or destruction that's, that's causing that? I think largely because I think, and I think every man knows this and we, we don't, I think it's something that's not taught, spoken about often. I think a lot of conversations about masculinity and femininity are sort of avoided these days, uh, because we're supposed to be these gender neutral beings, but we're, we're really not like men and women are we're very similar in some ways, but we're also very different. And I think every man knows that as a boy growing up into manhood, you, you have to, you, you have to control your control and channel your masculine energy, right? Like we, there's a natural aggression and competitiveness and fight mm. that's just within you as a man, which makes sense because our ancestors were, were fighters and warriors and yeah, yeah, yeah. built all of this stuff, yeah. right? Like, well, so I mean, if you were, if you were a little bitch, <laughs> yeah. you weren't get, you weren't going to reproduce. Yeah. It, it makes sense. Like, right? You know, you, and, might, you, were, you were the first one killed on the front lines mm -hmm. or, you know, you were the guy you know, in that final struggle for that last bit of food. Like you mm -hmm. were the one that won the fight. And, and you know what the modern, you know what the modern day, um, version of that is it's sports. Mm. It's sports. The sportsmen and the way people respond and react to them. I mean, if you, what is football? You're just trying to kick a ball into a net. What's basketball? You're trying to throw a ball into a net. What's American football? You're trying to run or rugby, trying to run with a ball past the line. Really right? stupid games. When you yeah, like yeah they're, they're, they're really silly. But the, do you know what's interesting is they use the same skills that you would need to be a good hunter, mm. right? Hit, get, hitting a target, athleticism, speed, endurance. So top athletes probably would have been if we lived in a more primitive societies like top athletes would have been like the the top hunters and the top fighters and, yeah, yeah, the, and the top warriors mma look at mma literally That's it's a gladiatorial yeah. arena um and you know and women are why are women so attracted to those sportsmen oh he just he just kicks a football around like why why is he so hot or whatever right but like women love that and i think it's it's very primal it's very primal and men admire it right you watch guys watching a football match or doesn't matter if it's american football or british football like yeah, and they're yeah. going crazy and it's, it's interesting. So I think, you know, we're very advanced in a way, but we still have, of course, like all of this, this primal programming. And I think that's part of why playing sports is, is so good. Cause it, number one, again, it gets out that energy. It teaches you about teamwork and bonding and competitiveness, and you have to have all of that. So I, I, th I think that's, I think that's what it, 
largely is. And I think as a man, I, I know I, I've felt this like my in, entire life, which is that there's this energy and spirit, which could be destructive, mm. right? You, you have a capacity yeah. to, to damage. Like I'm, you know, I'm a big, strong guy. I have, I have the physical capacity to, yeah. to hurt someone or to yeah. break something or to crush, but no, you channel that towards something good and something honorable and kindness and generosity and building and creation. Like everything I do is creating, creating, creating. Um, and I think that's a great use of that energy. Mm. Um, and if I'm going to attack something, I'm going to attack weights, right? I'm going to attack the gym. I'm going to build my body and so on. Um, but I think if you don't do that, then it'll come out in some other way, right? In, in extreme versions, it comes out in physical violence, right? There's always the guys who are starting the fights or who want to rob someone or assault someone or kill something or do they like it can come out in these awful ways and at scale this ends up with with wars and clashes and tribal battles um but it can also just come out in like other toxic ways like going online and being that person who's sitting behind the keyboard yeah. ranting and raving at everyone every day and cussing people out and leaving nasty comments and you know leaving nasty comments towards men nasty comments at women and so on and, um, and it's also men who, if, if you notice, it's mostly men who are most, most of the internet trolls are men. Mm -hmm. Most of the people in prison are men. So most of the people at the top, most of the people at the bottom. So it's like, I don't know how much this has been like studied, probably not that much that. in this modern era, but it, but it's interesting to me because I, I noticed these patterns and I'm like, this is men doing this. Mm -hmm. Women have their own virtuous and pathological behaviors and some of it overlaps, but it's different. And with men, it tends to be more physical. Again, you see that with young people. I mean. If you think, how do boys bully each other? It's physical. Yeah. Right? Yeah. How do girls bully each other? It's psychological and mm -hmm. verbal. Cut you out. They cut you out. Yeah, right? Yeah. Right? They, they, they'll, they'll cut you out the group. No, you, can, you can't sit with us. Uh, oh, no one talked to that girl today because she's not. Boys don't do that. Boys don't do that, right? When I was in they school, yeah, they, they fight, right? They, yeah. they, they fight, push each other around, someone yeah. gets punched, whatever, you know? Like, and and so, hugs, it's all fine. And yeah. th I think this is also why um, social media is more psychologically damaging to teenage girls than teenage boys. Oh, right? I had never considered that. Mm -hmm. That's why. Mm. Because it's the social and psychological aspect. Um, boys it's harder to you know that 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 female style of bullying can continue on the internet with boys they're 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 actually safe once they're away from that because it's not it's not physical so yeah. so they're safer sure they can still be psychologically bullied but it's 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 less common um i get a real kick out of hater comments it's really funny mm. <laughs> <laughs> i call my friend i'm like you gotta get on the <laughs> comment section now on this episode you gotta see what this guy's saying it's it's <laughs> weird though isn't it like doesn't do, don't you find it strange that people spend their time doing that yeah. i mean you're because you're you're trying to build something right you're a builder you're creating right you're 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 working constantly on creating things i imagine that at no point in your day do you go you know what let me go hate on the internet for 30 minutes let me go let me go see what that other man is building mm. and try to tear it down it's like no i'm trying to build half I'm the trying, time I'm trying if to build I ever, my thing. you know what's funny half the time when i see something stupid on twitter i like i'm scrolling yeah. I'm just, <laughs> i see something stupid. half the time i go to write the comment and go and delete it. Yeah, yeah. I do I'm that multiple like, times even, a day. Not even yeah. worth it. Like, yeah. I do it multiple times a day, and I'm just like, you know, you know what? Like, I can't let this, I can't let this throw me off my mission. Um, and and, and so it's interesting, man. Like, I, I um, you know, I've never formally studied psychology, but I've spent a lot of time over the past 15 years, especially just 
through my own life and experiences and what I do, think, thinking a lot about all of these topics, um, which is why I have these random hypo informed hypotheses about why certain things are the way they are. Cause I just see these patterns and it's like, Hmm, why is it, why is it that way? Or why, why do women do that? Or why do men do this? Like what, what's the reason for those differences and how, how were these behaviors somehow linked to our kind of biology? Cause I, I think a big part of what surrounds a lot of this and a lot about human interaction really. And again, I don't think most people really think of it this way. And I guess you, you, you wouldn't want to explicitly think of it this way, but I think humans are always vying for social status. Mm. I think that's some, that's just something that's always gone on and is always going on, right? There's this kind of multiple hierarchies that exist in the world. And most people implicitly know somewhere around where they are. Like I think most women know where they are in the female pecking order. Most men know where they are in the male pecking order and the overall society pecking order. And most people, especially if you're um, competitive and ambitious. I mean, what if, what even is ambition? Ambition is trying to climb the ladder. If you, you know, when a woman says, I want a guy who's ambitious, that means a guy who is trying to climb up that mm. whatever, competence, whatever, yeah, competence hierarchy, hierarchy is, is, yeah. as Jordan Peterson would call it. Right. Mm. Um, and you see this all the time. It explains, I think a lot about politics, mm. right? They're always trying to climb. Like, why do you even want to be president? Why do you even want to have that? It's like, well, I mean, that's, that's pretty freaking high on, on, on that ladder. Um, and you know, no one wants, no one wants to be at, at the bottom of it. And we're all in different places on different things. You can have, you can simultaneously be simultaneously be in all these different places on all these different things. Right. If I walk into a, um, you know, I walk into an MMA class and I haven't done MMA before, you know, I'm going to be towards the bottom mm. of that, of, of that thing. But then if it's something I'm very proficient at, right. Then I'm like, Oh, okay. Like, cool. I'm, I'm, I'm near the top of this one. Um, and this is, and it, again, it makes sense because it's largely based on mating, <laughs> right? It's based on mating because women typically look towards the top of various different hierarchies to determine as do men and see, okay, like, you know, for, for men, it might be, we're, we're a little more, more visual and maybe we don't, we're, we're not looking, we're, we're looking primarily at uh, yeah, physical I mean, again, rather and, than, and, and, yeah. and why is that? It's because what you're, what you actually are filtering for probably again, not that explicitly is signs of fertility, right? Mm. So all the things that make a woman attractive are things that symbolize fertility, things that suggest fertility. Uh, the things that women are often attracted to are things that symbolize security mm. and safety, right? Whether that's big muscles or it's having money or it's being very competent at something or whatever, or it's having a, you know, lo loyalty is a factor. And it's like, we're always looking for that and trying to raise it up. So, and, and again, there's, there's positive ways of doing that. As they say, there's two ways to have the biggest, you know, the tallest building in the city. One is to build the tallest building. The other is to knock down all the others. <laughs> so I thought you were going to say what well, the other one is to buy it. Oh, buy it. <laughs> yeah, well, the others to, to, to knock the other ones down. So when you see this hate, when you see this hater behavior or someone trying to claw away at you or rip down what you're building, it's like, oh, okay. Instead of you trying to raise yourself up, you're trying to tear this person down. Yeah. Right. It doesn't matter. You can go on a, go look at a fitness, fitness models, Instagram or Twitter, 
right? And he posts a photo when he's got a six pack and he's looking good. Some first guy, so oh, he's using steroids. Oh, he's uh, this. Oh, I, I, I used to be bigger like than him. I use that, right? It could be whether he is or he isn't, right? <laughs> but but it's like the the there's people who you know some people's brains go, man, you look great, good job. Mm. Other people are like that's inspiring. Mm, and then some people are like, yeah, you got my Myron, right? Myron, yeah. <laughs> and then other people, it, 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 it triggers them, right? Because it makes them feel smaller, like they're lower, like, oh, I don't look like that. So it's hard for me to look like that too. Mm. So I'm going to tear him down, right? Someone pulls up in a Lamborghini. What are the comments? Someone's like, man, sick car. Someone's like, man, I wonder what that guy does. Oh, that's inspiring, whatever. Someone else, I bet he's got a small dick. I make that comment. Right? <laughs> I mean, not about not about the nice car. Right? I want to clarify this. I don't say this about the nice car. I say that when you know when someone drives past and they just their car is so fucking loud. It's just obscenely, unnecessarily loud. I'm always like, I'm just thinking, that guy, his penis must be so fucking huge. Like, like <laughs> so man, like, dude, I, I love human human sort of social dynamics is such an interesting mm. it's such an interesting field to me um and that's uh despite all the madness that's been one of the things that's been really interesting about the past couple of years because we've really seen some strange human behavior mm. and again what i'm talking about it also explains this sort of uh authoritarian karen type behavior right mm. where someone all of a sudden it could be a flight attendant it could be the person at the door of a restaurant it could be uh, just like you know someone some not 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 with some yeah. yeah right and suddenly they have a they have they feel they can now tell you what to do right put on your mask pull it pull it up over your nose stand here walk in this direction do this do that and some people revel in it they love it and it, again that's that's weird to me but I understand it because it's like oh you right now have like you've got a, you've got a little thing above me on this little social hierarchy so you want to now wield that power which you normally would not have to tell other people what to do and it makes you feel big and it makes you feel like oh okay like i'm up here and other people are other people are kind of lower down and you again you see it's on a big level with the politicians right mm -hmm. like all the mandates all the restrictions like haha look i've got this power i've got the ring of power i'm gonna wield it and and so on and then you see the way people fall in line you've seen the power of conformity people not wanting to stick out or be the odd one out or you know conflict avoidance so there have been so many different things at play they're all boromir hmm? that they're all boromir mm. they think they can yeah they think they can use the ring for good they think they're doing this thing for the yeah mm -hmm. the right thing so on this psychology to sort of back up a little bit sure, to sure. we kind of started a little bit with this there's two questions i have for you is that yeah, I'll roll these into one because yeah, I feel like you'll give a big answer. <laughs> they're kind of they're kind of intertwined. Sure. So you mentioned that you think that we're going to this. Well, we've arrived at this place where there are no more like social like inequalities. There's no more like oppression at like a legal level as as such, right? On a, on a no, legal level, there's no there's no like laws and like things in preventing people from doing whatever they want basically in, 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 a, in a cer sense. certainly not on a i wouldn't want to totally say that there's absolutely nothing okay but broadly the, broadly yes there could be little tweaks there's always going to be little tweaks and things here and there and little gaps that need to be plugged and so on but like the big broad broad brush stuff mm -hmm. has been 
dealt with over the decades and centuries. Okay. So like the, the question that I kind of have is that like, why, why do you think that the, the struggle that they were searching for that, that, that you know, that you, you're saying people like are searching for like a struggle mm -hmm. of some form, right? Like a, 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 a load to carry a, a fight to fight, you mm -hmm. know, why did it go in this weird, like we are all oppressed because of like our, gender race sexuality etc why do you think it went there mm. instead of because like i the thing that concerns me way more than those like those issues like, actually i don't even care about them at all <laughs> is is i feel like we're losing our our control or or not even our sovereignty but i feel like the the people in charge of our country are no longer being put there by us to an extent mm, okay and they're not working for us at all mm -hmm. like that is the big fight for me it's just like we need to like wrestle back a little bit of control of the state mm -hmm. from the the ruling class as as such to the extent to which they have yeah quite quite a big stranglehold on power like it's all mm -hmm. coming from the same groups of people they're all coming from the same financial class and if even if they're not they're welcomed in and then they get sort of subsumed by it in the way that like obama did for example mm -hmm. you know he was all you know hope and change until he got there and then he sort of just became part of the machine mm -hmm. like why did people not choose that fight because that seems like the obvious one to me mm. man that's a wonderful question i'm glad you asked that because i think a lot of the I think a lot of the, the cultural war stuff and a lot of the battles and a lot of stuff, I think it's distraction. I think it's to prevent exactly what you said. I think a lot of it is, is intentional and I think it's very clever because whenever people start talking that way, they'll throw out another distraction. Have you noticed that? <laughs> whenever people start to cotton on to what you just said, and this happened towards the end of last year, people started to notice this, this COVID stuff, this like... All these policies and these restrictions and what like they've they've screwed us here. Wait, this this vaccine stuff. There's some stuff coming out about this. Mm. There's some weird stuff going on here. Whatever. And then it's like whoop, boom, here, shiny thing. Here, new new drop the new current thing. Yeah. Drop the new thing. And boom, everyone's distracted again. Everyone's distracted again. I'll tell you when I really noticed this. I remember a time when um, prior to stuff going weird, when there was there was an issue that both people on the left people on the right were really not happy about and very irate against. Remember? 2008. What? 2000, oh, well, it was the bailouts. Yeah, 2008, the bailouts. Occupy Wall Street, right? People were not happy. Like, whether you are a, a conservative or libertarian or a liberal left, people were like, wait, wait, no. Yeah, yeah. This is, this is screwy, right? Like, there's a handful of people here who are profiting and profiting, making all these billions or whatever, and they, they're crashing the markets and they're screwing people over and they're making people are losing their houses and inflation is rising and what, and that, that, that kicked in. And I think that genuinely scared people. I think that genuinely scared of some of the people at the top, right? I don't like to use the term elites because it makes it yeah. sound like they're above yeah, I'm us. I'm never sure what word to No, use. but, but, but I think it, it scared those people in that class and they were like, this has to be, you know, this, this mob needs to, we need to get them to fight each other. And I think that also was a big catalyst for the ongoing constant culture war stuff, right? Because they just give people stuff to be mad at. It's like, I mean, look, look at look at the look at the past two years. And they literally got people to to blame their neighbor, right? It, it's do you know do you know the problem? It's your neighbor who hasn't taken the vaccine. They they psyoped yeah, yeah. hundreds of millions, if not billions, of people to demonize and think that the problem 
all of this problem is because there are some people who won't just take these injections, right? That's why we need to ban the unvaccinated. You know what? D disinvite your family members from Christmas if they haven't taken it. You know what? Dump your boyfriend or girlfriend if they don't take it. You know what? Friendships you've had for decades, you know, no, no, they shouldn't be allowed in your shop, in your restaurant, in the gyms. And, the, and people, people were psyoped to, to go along with it. That was actually when I, this thing really was freaking me out. Like when that rhetoric around mid last year, remember yeah. it got really, really intense. There were newspaper articles and people on TV saying, Hmm, what should we do about the unvaccinated? Yeah. We need a, we need a solution, right? It yeah, started solution. getting when they when it, they use the word a solution. It started I freak, it man. started getting really really dark to anyone who's just Studied slightly history. looked at over history, yeah. right? Um, you know, I mean, should maybe we should put them in camps? You know what? It should, should they be should they be not should they be denied healthcare? Right? Like these these ideas were floated around. Right, maybe they should they just be just jailed. Floated, they were they were implemented in some places. There was, like, the, yeah, the guy, there was mm -hmm. people getting, not getting heart transplants. Mm -hmm. They were implemented in some places in Austria. Austria, they did a lockdown of just unvaccinated people. Yeah, in Canada, for a week. Actually, in Canada, I, I you no friends who were there. Yeah, like <laughs> in Canada, you still can't board a plane or a train or a bus without proof of vax. Like that's right now. Um, and man, there's a lot of there's a good reason to be mad about what happened over the past two years, but is who should you be mad at? Yeah. You should be mad at the people who, who screwed everyone over, who forced you into lockdown, who forced you to do this and that, who, who lied to you. They told, they said literally Dr. Fauci, Joe, Joe Biden, the president of the USA and so if you take this vaccine, you will not get COVID. Mm -hmm. They explicitly said that director of the CDC, Rochelle Walensky, you can go back less than a year ago. Mm -hmm. They were all saying this. They lied. They lied. They lied about masks. They lied about lockdowns. They lied about the severity of the disease. Mm -hmm. They lied about every, they lied about two weeks to slow the spread and flatten the girl. They lied and lied and lied and lied. The efficacy as well. Like the, now I know from the fight, from the leak, from the, mm -hmm. not even the leaks. Sorry. I don't want to even call them leaks. Like from the officially released Pfizer documents, mm -hmm. they just lied straight up yes. about the efficacy. Yeah. So, there, so there's a lot of people who you should be mad at, but what they did, and this is what politicians and the media are so clever at is redirecting redirecting that energy it's like no it's us it's not us we care about you it's that guy it's those anti-vaxxers you know and they called everyone anti-vaxxers right they started applying it to everybody it's that person it's that and so it distract and then i think after a while people start like i said people started to cotton on and go wait hmm, no like even the people who were like really bought into it started to question and challenge some of the stuff right and that, especially when they started pushing the boosters and yeah. all well, of that. Also when they saw the vaccine wasn't working. Mm -hmm. I think that was the thing that, I think that's the mm -hmm. straw that, that sort of made people go, hang on. Yeah. Well, if it doesn't actually stop you getting it, uh -huh. then why does it matter that Jim down the street didn't e decide e Exactly, to do it? exactly. And then boom, they, they, they moved on to the next thing. So I think, um, yeah, in, in summary, I think that's the answer to, to your question. I think this is also why so many of these corporations do the woke pandering. Mm because like i'm a you know i'm i've always been more right-leaning i'm very much a, a, a capitalist type um but the the natural enemy of giant corporations is supposed to be the left <laughs> and they've done something really clever these corporations they've realized we can appease our natural enemies by just giving them some crumbs like we just throw out these words diversity inclusion black lives matter put a rainbow flag up in june do these little little gestures put up the okay put out the occasional woke ad and it 
pacifies those people. They 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 no longer care about where our stuff is being manufactured or the impact we're having on the environment or uh, how much we how much profit we're making versus how much we're paying yeah. our our workers versus the working uh, the working all those things that a traditional proper left shall we say yeah and some elements of the right are like but certainly left are kind of supposed to be like focused on and making sure that the workers you know the, the party in the uk is called labor right like yeah. the, that the workers and all of that that it, that it's fair and people are not being mistreated and exploited and so on but they they they've spun it around they've turned them into team pfizer team Moderna. <laughs> Yeah. It's, it's, it's completely insane, man, they, isn't it? They've like reverse engineered it. So they've actually got most of the people who are like super pro big pharma and who are pro big tech and big tech censorship and all this. It's coming now from the left side of the political aisle, which is something that's like, whoosh, like quite mind blowing. I think if you went back to someone in, you know, the nineties or the eighties and you said, yeah, do you think that, you know, the left is going to be shilling for, you know, putting yeah. team Moderna in there, you know, getting Pfizer tattoos, you'd be like, no, like no. that, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense. That's the anti-establishment, you know, mm -hmm. wing. If, if anyone does that, it's going to be those, those corporatist rightists, right? Yeah. It's going to be those. And it's, it's just spun around. It's spun around. And, um, I think that, I think some of that has been intentional from the corporations. I, I, I think they know that, oh, okay, we can just do that. You know, I, I don't think that they, certainly the people at the top of these corporations, I, I'm not convinced that they, they themselves are super woke progressive types right i think they're, they're, i mean those are the biggest capitalists in the yeah. <laughs> those are the biggest capitalists in the world but they know you know what we can just hey it's 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 june coming up yeah yeah throw out that rainbow flag but change change hey, absolve us of the money laundering yeah, and, exactly. like, you know. <laughs> just 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 put that out. Oh, oh black light oh you know what just put put the blm thing like just put put out some email notice about how much we like black people or whatever yeah. and and that's enough unfortunately it's enough but you know that's a weird for me because like i would if you if you take I, i'm not like a hundred percent like a big yeah, yeah. fan of the political compass test sure. but i'd be like reasonably far left and reasonably libertarian on mm. it like i'm not the whole way down to the yeah. bottom corner but like i feel so abandoned by the left yeah i feel completely like politically homeless because i'm like hang on how can i vote for the people who are <laughs> happy defending the like the worst corporations in the world but at the same time i'm like i believe i still believe that yeah. the state has like some good to do mm -hmm. but there's nobody represented that opinion anywhere man, i think a lot of people feel politically homeless right now man um i'll tell you what's even deeper about it all especially with with, with when you're talking about the 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 mandates which is Pfizer, Moderna, J&J, &J, and so on. These are publicly traded corporations, publicly traded multi-billion multinational corporations. A mandate means you are forced to become a customer mm. of, yeah. a of a for-profit corporation. No one makes this point. That is unheard of, right? You, 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 you are making a mandate. It would be like, make a, make a mandate that you, you must drink Red Bull, mm -hmm. right? You have to buy Red Bull. Red Bull is owned by, uh, who's Red Bull owned by? I don't know. Is it, I guess, is it just its own company? Okay. I think it is. I think it is actually. Yeah. I don't think it's, it might not be under anyone. Mm. Um, but imagine like Coca-Cola being mandated or something or, or anything. Like if you, if you think about it, you, you, we, I can't think of a situation where it's, it's mandatory or they're pushing for it to be mandatory to become 
a customer of a specific company, which is a for obviously a for-profit company and also which the people in power have stock in, right? So in the USA, mm. tons of the, all of these politicians own shares in Moderna and Johnson and Johnson and Pfizer and so on, right? Oh, don't pay attention and, to that. And so that, that makes it even that to me, that makes it even nuttier, like beyond the, the ethics of trying to mandate an injection. It's like trying to mandate any product, right? Whether it, is I can't. Can you think of a, of, a, of any no, example? I've just of been it? rocking my, my, yeah, rocking my like, brain there. I can't think of anything. Yeah, I mean, you could certainly say that. Look, there, you need to buy various products and services to survive, basically, in the world, but not from a specific company. You're, you're not forced to shop at Tesco. No, right? You're not forced. Thank God. To, or when you're in Tesco, you're not forced to. You're not in this in the supermarket. You can choose what products you buy. You can choose what clothes you wear. It's not, no, no, you have to buy from M&S. Mm. You must buy, you must become an M&S customer or we're going to deny you certain rights and privileges. It's like, no, but they, they, that's another thing that they've done, which is unprecedented, which is that, no, you must become a customer of Pfizer to, to be, to get back those rights that you, you used to have. And, and of course there's the whole fact that you know, the, the shot could harm you and it's unethical to, you know, force someone to inject something and so on violation of the Nuremberg code. But what, what I just brought up there, like, I don't think many people have, have, have thought of that, that point of kind of being, being a forced customer mm. for not even a, um, a, a governmental service, uh, but a, a, a public corporation that, that trades on the stock market in which you can buy shares in yeah. and which people have all sorts of, you know, big pharma's got, it's the biggest, I think they have the most lobbyists of any industry in I the USA. Think, I think big tech are, maybe are big, giving them a run for the money. Maybe big tech and military industry. Yeah. But they've, they've got a lot of sway, especially in the U S yeah. it's not as, you know, politics here is far from perfect, but the, the sort of corporate lobbying yeah, it is not, bad. no, in the U S it's like, yeah, it's, yeah it's well, I mean, we saw company finance restrictions of some yeah. form here, at least. I yeah. mean, I'll not get into that. So the last <laughs> question I want to ask you, so we've got about 10 minutes here. Sure. So the last question I want to ask you is, <coughs> that kind of ties into what you were saying here about mm. the, the left kind of forgiving these large corporations. Do you think that ideology has replaced religion in a sense? And do you think that's possibly the reason that the left are so happy to forgive these monstrous corporations mm. is because they're supporting the correct religion. Yes, I do. Absolutely. I've made this point many times. Um, ironically, I think we are, I think we're living in one of the most religious times of our lifetimes. And I say religious in air quotes. Yeah. Um, because I don't mean that in the traditional sense, but in terms of people's behavior and beliefs on lots of different levels. There are these, uh, what I would call secular religions or cult, certainly ideologies, which have parasitized mm. people, right? And which are spreading. You have the entire woke thing from the racial component to the gender component. The gender component might be the, probably the biggest because it's literally got its own superstitions and unprovable beliefs and dogma and, and, and so on, right. It's got its own blasphemy laws. 
right? You can't dead naming, misgendering, and so on and so forth. It's like, no, you must believe a. Tr if we say a trans woman is a woman, you must adopt this belief, mm -hmm. and you must then conclude that women can have penises and men can give birth, and except men can't so have any discussion in the reproductive uh, conversation. Exactly, it switches back even though we can be pregnant. It switches right. back and forth depending on <laughs> what is convenient at the time. But there's that the the whole COVID thing, right? The branch Covidian behavior the masking, the sanitizing, the bizarre rituals, people entering restaurants, the, the, the vaccination itself is, I've compared the vaccination to baptism, right? I, or perhaps even one could perhaps go further and compare it to like circumcision way, way, way back in the day, whereas someone is considered unclean and someone who you should not even be around mm -hmm. if they have not had this procedure. They are not one of you. People, you have to remember, millions of people pushed away their own friends and family members yeah. over this, right? There are people who got uninvited from Thanksgiving and Christmas dinners, birthday parties, work events, and so on because they hadn't had the shot. Yeah. Now, if the shot works, there is no logical reason why you should have a concern about whether or not someone has taken it. If it doesn't work, then it makes no sense to want other people to take it. But millions of people fell into this bizarre behavior where they decided that literally that taking this shot is more important than their social ties, than their familial bonds. There are couples who got divorced over this. Yes. Yes. So that's real. If you think about it, like that's, that's deep, that's, that's deeper than like if I'm, I'm a, I'm a Christian. If I refuse to associate, speak to, be in the same room as someone who does not share my religious beliefs, people would say he's an extremist. Mm. He is extreme. He's a religious zealot. Mm. He's not just a Christian. He is someone who will not even, no tolerance whatsoever of someone who, you're not baptized? Get up, leave the room. Right? And people did this with the vaccine, right? Mm. So. Um, it's not even religious in like the sort of like modern, yeah, mod modern tolerance. No, no, no. It's very religious, in like like the medieval, uh, like medieval yeah. type of like very very harsh, discriminatory type, and that's how people have been behaving on on many of these different fronts. There, there are people who you know won't even won't be friends with. Again, this is worse in the USA, yeah. but you know won't be friends with someone who's on the other side of the political. And by the way, you know. They've even done studies showing people on the left are way more intolerant. You know, most conservatives would be friends with someone who they know is liberal, but I mean, there that's are generally my experience. Yeah. But there are people who call themselves liberal, which is ironic given the meaning of the proper <laughs> meaning of the word who won't even, you know, they wouldn't date, be friends with, hang out with someone who's a Republican or who's a conservative because, you know, like, no, 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 we can't even tolerate that. You see this in universities, you see it at uh, some of the big tech companies and so on. It's so, so, so one-sided. So. It's, um, it's strange. And I think in many ways, people made the government God over the past couple of years. They look at these politicians and the, the, the Fauci's, you know, yeah. the, 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 look, this is the way, the way they treated Fauci in the yeah, USA, Fauci right? And the Biden it, and the Holy Kamala. Yeah. The whole thing was very, very strange. The, the mask, the mask stuff was very weird. And it's, it's also hit me very obviously because I grew up in Saudi Arabia. Mm. Um, and so the whole face covering and public thing. Um, it was always a kind of hot topic, especially when I was discussing the country with Westerners and people, you know, there are Western countries that went from 
ban face coverings, ban yeah. the burqa, to mandate the burqa. <laughs> right? I remember this discussion like three, four years ago about about like how nurses shouldn't you couldn't have nurses with a burqa, no. especially in old people's mm -hmm. homes, because um, old people like it's a it's a it's a it's a serious point about uh, it's like a trust. Yeah, it's about trust. It's mm -hmm. about communication. It's about understanding mm -hmm. and security. Um, a security, mm -hmm. and then for children as well, it should be the same. You shouldn't mm -hmm. like cover your face because they need to see your mm -hmm. face to understand and trust you. It was the same. Like you can't even wear a motorcycle helmet going nope. into a fucking bank because like no. you're covering your face for security purposes for security. and all of it out the window. Not not just out the window. Reversed, yeah, no, from banning to mandating. Man, in 2018, in 2019, if you were about to go into a shop or an Uber or a bank and you put on a bandana or a mask, they'd be like, "Well, the security guards <laughs> like, wait, 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 no, hold up, you can't, hey, you can't, yeah, we can't wear that in here." And then it's the opposite. You try to walk in with no mask, they're like, "Wait, no, stop!" Like you have to cover up your face. So it was. It's that's why that's why it blew my mind because it wasn't just like like a shift it was like it was an inversion it was like a, a switch it was like wait you you've literally gone from wanting to ban this thing to mandating it like that is that's nuts i'll tell you another crazy switcheroo that happened is if you remember 90 seconds no worries man <laughs> this um th you, this you didn't see this much in the uk but if you remember in 2020 because remember the, the vaccines came out under the trump administration mm -hmm. and the people who were against it it was the lefties. It was the Democrats all the way up to Kamala Harris who were saying, mm, I don't know if you should take this thing. And then <laughs> spun around. Fucking crazy. Well, anyway, yeah, to wrap up, because, yeah, we only have like one minute left of the room and I have to pack up the stuff. So, Zuby, uh, thank you very much, man. Appreciate Fucking it, pleasure. Great, great <laughs> chat. Um, Zuby Music on YouTube, Twitter. Um, anything else? Instagram. Yeah. At Zuby Music, Z-U-B-Y Music and ZubyMusic.com. You can find all links there. Yeah. Links are in the description below. Thank you. Thanks for making it all the way to the end of the podcast. If you want to leave us a comment, that would be awesome. Please like, share, subscribe. And if you're listening on Apple, please leave us a review. Until next time, thanks for listening.